Welcome to No Name Documentary Podcast. All right, we're I'm starting host, over. Gosh, we're, Lindsay. we're starting over. What? <laughs> that is terrible. We do have a name. It's Documentary First. The name hasn't changed. It's the tagline. It's the tagline. <laughs> I thought we were changing the tagline. Well, we have to change the tagline, but we do have a name. The podcast is Documentary First. Oh, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> oh my word i don't know what to do uh, now all right beep okay welcome to documentary first an inside look at a veteran filmmaker christian taylor hi christian hey we're trying on new uh taglines everybody because we are rebranding and with us almost as always couldn't do it without them the awesome jason rug hey there Sorry, I wasn't here last week. Yeah, we missed you. You were supposed to be the guest. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, That's we how even desperate we are. Okay. <laughs> we even talked about it after we recorded two weeks ago. You were like, and Jason will be our guest. And I'm like, oh, right, I won't be here. <laughs> after we finished recording, I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> well, all right, here we are. You're our guest today, Jason. And we are going to be talking about the podcast why and how. So before we do that, though, Christian, what yeah. updates can you give us on the Girl Who Wore Freedom? Well, it's been an interesting time around here. Um, we are, we have learned we are a finalist uh, in the Lonely Wolf Film Festival in London. And uh, so that's, we're kind of waiting to hear. It's, we only have, I think, two more film festivals to hear back from. Um, and so uh, that's one of them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a huge one, but it's still fun to know that we might uh, be in another film festival. So that's great. Um, we, you know, again, November 10th, The Girl Who Wore Freedom was pitched to Netflix and they told us they would watch it. We still have not heard back from them. So we're waiting to hear back um, about that. Uh, we have been, um, we did finally get a quarterly report about our sales. Um, it is a Q2 report from 2020, which really only covered about two weeks at the end of May. We launched around May 20 something, I think. Um, and so I thought this might be interesting for people. Um, one, we were told the reports were late because of COVID. Yeah, whatever. Um, not exactly. <laughs> That's an excuse. For everything. Yeah. yeah. At this point, it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, they, uh, we should now, um, it, we're almost late for the Q3 reports. Um, we should have gotten reports really, um, I think on um, April, June, um, November, I mean, April, July, November, something like that. But they have 90 days with which it, to get those receipts in. So we should be getting the Q3 reports at the end of December. Um, those are probably going to be laid till January. But the good news is we did get one. Um, and I can report that in those first couple of weeks when we launched the film, um, really the only thing that happened during that time is we launched on iTunes in the US, iTunes in Canada, uh, the Cineplex store in Canada, and the uh, Shaw Cable Company in Canada. So those were the only places that we were selling the film at the time. Uh, the receipts for those sales was around $3,600. There was a 25% distribution fee 
uh, which totaled about $1,000. Um, and then there was an ingestion and delivery cost, which was another $1,000. Um, and so ultimately, um, you know, the revenue to date uh, is around, I think, $1,000, like $1,500 um, for this report. So that just, you know, I wanted to just sort of set expectations. That's really what happens in documentary filmmaking. Uh, you don't make a lot of money, at least at this point, particularly when it's only on transactional. Um, so we did have one, you know, people buy, I'm being called on FaceTime. I don't know how this is happening, but uh, I need to make this stop. Uh, Josh, well, well, she figures that out. How um, do I do, do think, this? Do you think a good way to make money as a documentary filmmaker would be to like plan a bank heist, pull it off, but document while you do it? So oh, then you great. can like make money as you make the film and kind of like self fund. It's like a true crime podcast, but. But you're um, the criminal. Right. And, yeah. and you're, you're releasing it as you go. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. The FBI shows up in episode two and ruins the whole thing. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. So I figured that out. Now there's no more ringing, but, um, but yeah, you know, we did have one buyer um, that was Delta there. The gross fee was about $6,000 for a 10 month period of time. Hopefully that will, I expect that to show up in the Q3 report. Um, and then just a whole bunch more transactional things. So, um, you know, transactional it's not, you know, a fun way to go because it really does take a long time, I think, you know, in our situation anyway, um, to have a lot of sales. So that was disappointing, you know, although they were saying that, you know, you know, it was a fantastic transactional start um, with over 400 sales on iTunes in the first quarter. I don't know, that doesn't feel so great to me. What do you guys think? I I actually look at it as a positive. Uh, I mean, you you got money. I mean, even whether it was a hundred dollars or a thousand or ten thousand, you got paid in your first film. Well, I guess that is an interesting way to look at it. You're correct. I mean, when you you know balance your books, it may not look pretty or whatever, but you know compared to maybe debts owed or cost of the film, things like that. But uh, you're, I mean, first of all, most people never make a dime. You know, they just they're just in the hole the whole time, and so this is just the beginning. And uh, but but that's true for any business. I mean, you look at uh, first of all, if you're a business, just regular old small business, odds are you won't even be around three years from now. But if you are, uh, you won't see a profit at least for three years. And that doesn't mean you can pay the bills and your mortgage. It just means you made a profit. So the fact that you survived and have quote made money is a win. It's a big win, really. I appreciate that, Josh. I guess you're in the big picture of things. You're right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't argue with your logic. No, you can't. So don't even try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think that it, it doesn't feel fantastic simply because I am sitting with the books and I am looking at, you know, this took you know, over four years of my life and tons and tons of money. And if you're just looking at the numbers, you know, that's like a, a drop in the bucket, really. Fortunately, you know, I did not go into this to make money. And so I didn't really expect 
a lot. I think, um, you know, if you are an independent filmmaker and you are hoping to get rich, doing documentary work is, it's going to take a long time unless you're Ken but Burns. You, all, you, also didn't, you also didn't get into this to lose money. That's true. I, I would like to break even though. Yeah. And I, I bet you can. I just, it'll probably take longer than you want it to. Yeah, that's probably true. And that's one of those things like, um, you know, I think it was Harvey Weinstein back before he, you know, well, he was, he was awful back then, but before we knew he was awful, he used to say that the way you make money in the film business is not making films, it's owning them. And interestingly enough, what you're doing right now is both you're maintaining some ownership of the film, which isn't all that uh, common, um, particularly if it starts to make any sort of money. Usually someone wants to snap it up and then you don't have any sort of ownership anymore. And so the long-term library of film is actually where a lot of the money comes from over time, the ownership of the asset. So you just kind of have to hang on to it and see what happens as time goes on. Yeah, that's for sure. Speaking of that, one fun thing that happened this week is I don't know if you guys remember, but when I went to the Julian Dubuque Film Festival, I met Donna Reed's daughter, Mary Owen. Uh, Mary Owen is still managing all of the things that her mom was involved in. There is a Donna Reed um, museum and she, this was the hundredth year. She was a hundred years old this year. She would have been alive. And, uh, you know, I got to know her because her mother, she ended up after her mother passed away, going into a closet, finding this locker and finding all these letters from GIs that they had written her during World War II. And she was talking to me about, you know, doing a documentary film about this. And uh, anyway, she emailed me this week and said, I, I remember you're in Chicago. I'm introducing It's a Wonderful Life at the Gene Siskel Theater. Would you like to come? And I was like, yes, how awesome would that be? That would be so amazing. Um, and I'm going to France tomorrow, so I will not be able to, to go to that screening. But uh, it is really neat talking with her because uh, It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite films. And I do think her mother was an incredible actress and a really neat person. Um, so I've enjoyed hearing about her firsthand from her daughter, Mary. So that was a cool thing that happened this week. Yeah. That is a cool thing. Yeah. So um, any updates on, are you finished with Guerrilla War Freedom? Can we go to Brave Dutch? Yeah, the only other thing I want to say is I am headed to Normandy uh, tomorrow and I'm going to see all of our French family over there, all the people in the film, including uh, our veteran, Charles Shea, Marie Pascal Legrand, Flo Plana, Tommy, uh, Thomas and Flavi, um, we're going to see Michelle Coupe and all, and the Boucheries. And, uh, we're going to go on a Carenton battlefield tour with Denis Vandenbrink. And I just feel so blessed to have gotten to know all of these people in the girl who wore freedom story and that they're still there. They're still honoring veterans and they're still loving to share the history of their place, um, with other people. So, uh, this is, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to Normandy, now is the time, all of these people are still there and, you know, we're going to be screening this coming summer. So start trying to make your plans. Um, it's a great time to be there. So that's it. Um, you know, Grueling Glory is starting its festival run. Not a lot new there other than we did not get into Sundance. <laughs> uh, I didn't submit the Girl War Freedom to Sundance. And so when it came time to submit Grueling Glory, I'm like, ah, what the heck? We'll see. Uh, but no, it did not get in. Um, 
it did get into the um, Flathead Lake International Cinema Fest, and we are up for the best documentary short. That's in Polson, Montana, and I will be going. It's at the end of January, so I'm looking forward to that. And the Brave Dutch is sort of at a standstill at the moment. Um, you know, uh, Virgil Films did pitch it to all the streaming services, like I said last week, um, and it does look like there's some interest there, so that's exciting. We're starting to think about what what can we create? We can't go over there and film and make a real sizzle reel, but what do we have that we can create that would demonstrate the story that we have? So I'm, I'm pondering that um, now. And I am also trying to survive complete destruction in my home um, as we're doing this full house renovation. It's starting to come together though. I got a desk yesterday in my office. And I think when I get back, we're gonna be able to sound treat my booth so I can start doing voiceover again. And we'll be able to focus a lot more on, on work stuff. So that's gonna be fun. Very exciting, very exciting. Okay, well, why don't we shift gears and, and uh, talk to our very special guest. <laughs> Some of you may not be familiar with him. He works in the world of animation and podcasting. And today he's here to talk to us about podcasting. Let's give a big round of applause to the awesome Jason Rugg. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. That was a very warm welcome. All right. I feel like I know you guys. I don't know. <laughs> like you've been here forever. Yeah. <laughs> since the beginning, since before the podcast started. <laughs> so how many podcasts are you currently working on, Jason? Uh, currently, I'm editing on four different ones. One of them is kind of on sabbatical right now so i'm editing on four different podcasts right now um and then i'm also just appearing on this one so i don't i don't edit this one um but yeah i i consult at, at, at the very minimum consult on six different podcasts so why don't you name those just so people know what they are yeah so the future now media foundation podcast um is one that's all about media and entertainment industry uh, from a very awesome uh organization that i love volunteering with um and so I don't actually get paid for that one. I just uh, volunteer on that one. Then there's The Holy Post, uh, The Movie Proposal, and um, then Documentary First. And uh, sorry, I always draw a blank on this one. Ah, Life Off Screen, Life Off Screen. Um, so if you want to check out any of those. Um, I'm What's Life Off Screen about? Life Off Screen is uh, a very niche podcast, and it's uh, Christian couples in Hollywood and how they've made their marriages work. Um, so it started up during the pandemic, um, during, you know, cause, uh, the people who wanted to start it used to travel all the time. And then with COVID, they had nothing but time. And so they were connecting with people over zoom and they were like, well, we're talking about this stuff anyways. Why don't we just record it and turn it into a show? And so that's how I got wrapped into that. Awesome. That's great. Well, I really thought it might be interesting to talk about why a podcast, you know, um, and is it even important for a filmmaker to think about? Is this, this something that's sort of mandatory for filmmakers to do? Does everybody have to have a podcast? Um, you know, what are the pros and the cons of, of doing one? And then we'd like to talk about uh, the mechanisms of that, how to make that happen, what do you need, et cetera. Um, so I wanted to talk about a little about why we started this podcast. And this happened... Um, over two years ago now, when I think I must have come on the movie proposal podcast, maybe, uh, and even on the Holy Post, where I would be telling stories about what had happened during this filming process, 
And somebody said, you know, are you writing these down or are you doing any behind the scenes stuff? And I realized I wasn't. And all of these stories that I was telling were going to be lost. So one of the reasons I started it was to create some sort of record um, where we could remember everything that's happening. Um, that was the first one. And doing that, we then began creating an audience. And that um, you know, audience started following along on our journey. Uh, those people then began supporting us. And you know, now we have our Patreon supporters who are in our mission with us. And it then gave us stuff to share on social media to again, help engage and build an audience. Uh, so for us, it's been a wonderful tool uh, to, to do accomplish those goals. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been, I really also wanted to, you know, sort of be an Indian guide of sorts for people that are making films so that maybe they wouldn't make the same mistakes that I've made, uh, just a way to pass on what I've learned. And um, those were my reasons for doing it. And um, I have felt they have, it's been a beneficial investment, particularly in this downtime, at least we still are creating content for our company and putting that out there. Um, and there wasn't, I found there wasn't a lot out there um, on with documentary podcasts that was very helpful. So um, I was hoping we kind of filled that void in the marketplace. We are still trying to build our audience, but, um, but we're growing. So that's good. Anyway, so those are my thoughts. Jason, what are your thoughts about why a podcast would be important? And you too, Josh, I mean, you started the movie proposal, you know, why did you do that? So, so Christian, I think you hit on exactly what my advice is to almost everybody who comes to me to ask for podcast advice. I get people probably once a month who are just like, Hey, can you give me advice on starting my podcast or anything like that? And the most important thing is that you have a reason. <laughs> So many people just start a podcast because they're like, oh, well, I like listening to me talk. So other people like listening to me talk <laughs> and they don't have an angle. They don't have anything that they want to talk about specifically or anyone they want to interview or anything like that. It's just, oh, yeah, me and Brad talk all the time. So we should do a podcast. And that's the majority of podcasts is just like two people talking and one person listens and it's their mom. And so you need to have a reason. What's your hook? What's the thing that gets people listening? Because you're going to burn out really quickly if you see no growth. If you see that no one really cares, you're going to think, oh, I'm not that interesting. And it's actually just that no one's really all that interesting unless they have a hook or they're already like an established famous person. Uh, you need a hook. And so like the movie proposal podcast has a great hook. It's we're yeah. talking about... Uh, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. And so you get this mix of interesting things about movies. You get old ones, you get new ones, you get a borrowed article about it, and you get something that blew our minds or blue chunks. That's a great hook. Uh, a film, you know, a podcast about I'm making my first documentary. Let's document that. It's kind of meta, actually, because it's documenting itself, right? You're documenting your day to day while also making, <laughs> making a podcast. And so it's, you have to have a hook. You have to have a reason for what you're doing. Um, and generally, it also really helps if you already have at least a little bit of a social following a, around that same sort of thing. So, you know, the Holy Post worked back when it was just the Phil Vischer podcast. People wanted to hear Phil Vischer talk about all sorts of things, right? And so he was kind of who the show was about. And then over time, the audience evolved and it grew and changed. And 
you end up with the Holy Post where it's more than just Phil. It's about interviewing guests. And it's about Skagitani. And it's about Christian Taylor. And so you have this, this evolving thing that has grown. And Phil could kind of just start, I'm going to do a podcast because he was already an established person, right? So you need, the, you need one of those things. If you don't have a hook or you're not somebody to a lot of people, I don't think you should start a podcast. You should work on, on starting your social media or something. Figure out your angle on life. Figure out your angle on talking about movies. Because if you just start a movie review podcast and nobody knows who you are or you don't have a special hook about it, who's going to listen? Who's going to pick that podcast to go, yeah, I want to listen to them? Because there's thousands upon thousands, possibly millions of podcasts out there about that exact same thing. And if you're not special, no one's going to find you and no one's going to care. Yeah, <laughs> and that Josh, sounds brutal, but that's the truth. It is the truth. I mean, Josh, talk to us about your journey. I mean, how did your podcast evolve in terms of, you know, yeah, just talk to us about that journey, how you differentiated yourself, how you, you know, planned your hook. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that. Uh, well, it's funny listening to Jason talk about this because if, if this was my idea and I partnered with some, you know, someone who had no social media following, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be at 10 followers still to this day. I, I got invited as a Patreon project for the Holy Post. So this is my memory and this could be totally wrong, but it's my understanding that people enjoyed the Holy Post podcast at the time, Phil Vischer podcast, when they talked about movies. <clears throat> but Phil doesn't like to talk about movies, strangely enough. And I, I don't know how it came up, but they suggested Sky do something. And, and uh, anytime I see Sky, we always ask each other, what have you seen lately? And then we discuss it. In fact, when the Force Awakens came out, I I called Scott and I said, I have to talk to someone about this movie. Will you meet me for coffee? Like I never asked Sky just to meet on my own, but I'm like, I have, I'm like bursting at the seams. There's no one for me to talk to in my house. You're it. And uh, so we met for coffee. We talked, uh, whew, all right, got that off my chest. But then anyway, they said, let's do some Patreon thing for people who like to hear people talk about movies and Sky has a following and then he has a following of his own. He has a following through Phil. And so we get an audience that way. But uh, the hook, honestly, uh, I remember Sky proposing this uh, idea, the movie proposal with the, the something old, new, borrowed blue. And I thought it was stupid. I'm like, there's no way we're going to continue <laughs> to do this. But I also, I have a background in improv. And one of the lessons you learn is say yes. So I, I just, it was kind of like I was going to say no. And I put my finger down, I'm like, what the heck? Let's just do it. We'll morph it into whatever it's going to be later. But it never changed. It stayed exactly the same. It just worked. Um, Which he's good, I guess, or lucky. I don't know. I think that's that's a really good point. Is that usually, if you have a show that is different and has a hook, it's actually the great thing about the movie proposal is it says exactly what it is, and we explain the format at the top every single time and it's super quick and it's catchy and you remember it and so it, it besides just being a fun way to do a podcast it's also hey here's what to expect and right. that's really important that people understand what they're getting into um so that they're not listening to it again oh i thought it was going to be this 
but it actually turned out to be this. Right. And, and I, they know what it is from the get. And I've learned just hearing feedback that people like coming in knowing we're going to get an old recommendation. They're going to talk about some new movie and then just some odds and ends that kind of fun at the end. It's that expectation of like, it's, it's like comforting or something. It's like a sitcom or whatever. Like, it's just like a, a pattern and it's just something to do in the car while you're driving. Uh, but uh, people also find it useful. They, I know people who write down, let's watch this movie this weekend. You know, I, I never thought of it until they, re they recommended it. So uh, obviously it's for people who enjoy movies and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think it's true, you know, we call it formulas in the film TV industry, you know, every show has got to have some sort of formula, whether it's a reality show, even a documentary, a, a film, there is, you know, a, a certain rhythm to it that it's weird. We want that kind of rhythm to know what to expect. And when you uh, come upon a series or a film or, you know, that doesn't have that kind of rhythm, uh, we don't like it as much, which just seems right. odd. And, and now, at least in our podcast, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's true for the Holy Post. I know it's true for the Holy Post, but there's there's no expectations of the format, but of the personality. So, you know, we get a lot of feedback of like, you know, oh, new Star Wars movie is coming out. I'm sure Sky's going to hate this one, right? Like they know how he's going to respond. And it's, and even though they might like, it might drive them crazy. It's like, it's comforting to know like, like it's like I it's like you know Sky or something or you know how Josh is going to respond or you have that expectation of it and there's something appealing about that I guess yeah that is one unexpected consequence of being on the podcast is that it's not just like oh I've seen their stuff online and that sort of thing it's like they listen to you relatively consistently sometimes once a week sometimes once every other week and they start to think they know you. <laughs> And so you end up with a parasocial relationship, which is interesting where it's like, I don't know you, but you know me. And that, well, that can be a really interesting consequence of it. It is very interesting. I've experienced this a lot because, you know, I've been on the Holy Post for over 10 years and people, and I am a relatable person. So I'm very out there. I am who you think I am, who I sound like. Um, you get to know me, quote unquote, pretty well by listening to one of these podcasts. And so, um, and I'm out there traveling a lot, always asking people, hey, come see me. So I meet people, listeners of the Holy Post or, you know, documentary first, often all around the country. And it is remarkable how many people, um, you know, know who you are. And they'll say, I remember when you said this and I know you like this and gosh, I feel like I know you. I mean, when I talk to people on the phone and that's happened with everybody I've hired for my work, they're like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you in real life. I just hear you in my head all the time, you know, in my ears all the time. Um, and it is strange to be known, you know, when you put yourself out there, you do, you are known on a certain level and you are inviting some level of people interacting with you, particularly if you're going to be on social media and things like that. And I think that's something you have to be prepared for if you're going to go into podcasting and really, um, you know, commit to doing that over time. Um, but at the same time, I think you need to think, who is my audience? I mean, doing a podcast really is no different than doing a film. 
who is my audience? Is there an audience out there for what I want to say and do? And how am I going to build this audience? Because, you know, you may not be, a lot of people start podcasting, not investing a lot of money. So you may not be investing any money at all, but you are investing your time. You are investing your time, you know, each week, then you're investing your time and making it possible. You're investing your time in marketing and on social media. Is this a valuable use of your time, you know, and, and why, you know, who is your audience? Um, so that's something you got to think about when you're putting it together. What are you laughing about, Josh, Lindsay? Because people, people say, saying, say things to me like, so when you go to a movie, can you, can that movie ticket be a tax write-off? I'm like, like what? Like, first you have to make money to uh, <laughs> be able to write anything. Like, no, like I, I, I make no money doing any of these things. So I just laugh because I, I do these podcasts for fun. Uh, it is purely hobby. Again, honestly, from my point of view, we could have 10 people listening to the movie proposal. And I, what difference would that make if it was 10,000? Because I, I, you know, I mean, I guess we got to 10,000, we could start making money, I suppose. But, um, you know, between 10 and 2,000, there's no real difference. Um, I just do it for fun. I, I think... Uh, like it's, it's, it's my, like, I, I always say some guys go golfing. I do a movie podcast. That's, it's my thing, right? You know, I think this podcast, it's in my opinion, I, I, I gotta imagine it's cathartic, cathartic for you, Christian yeah. in hashing things out, uh, discussing it with people, um, getting a different perspective on things, getting feedback or, or whatever. I, I feel like it's gotta be somewhat helpful in terms of, you're not just, running down the train track, you know, laying down the, the track while the train's moving, you actually have time to like discuss it with people and think about it and process it. Uh, and there's added benefit of having a record of the film being made and you're getting the word out there and, and maybe find volunteers and so on and so on. Yeah, I mean, for me, you're right. There is a cathartic element where we're talking through what happens each week and it, and it makes me think about, okay, well, what has happened this week? And, you know, and truthfully, just like in today, when I said, yeah, I don't feel so great about this. And you're like, Christian, let's rethink this a minute. I mean, I don't have a ton of time in my social life to go out and talk to people. And we're not in an office. It's a virtual film company. Um, and this is a gift for you guys to spend time with me um, talking through these things. And the guests that we have had on, I've learned so much over the course of two years, not just making the film, but also be, you know, here talking to our guests and learning things as we go along. So. Um, I do think there are a lot of benefits that can be derived from doing a podcast for sure. And it's just a matter of, is it the right thing for you? Is it the right time in your life to be able to do it? Do you have the resources, the skill level, uh, the team around you? Because truthfully, unless you're a jack of all trades, you really need other people to do the podcast with you. Um, and so those are some of the questions you need to ask. But before, and I'm going to turn it over to Jason for the, for the uh, hows of how the podcast um, gets together in just a minute. But I did want to address one thing you said, Josh, you said, can you write off that movie ticket for people out there? The answer to that is yes. So anything that you spend, if you're an independent contractor, you've got a business, you're a, you know, anybody in the entertainment industry, your movie tickets can be written off. Your uh, cable can be written off. Your phone bill can be written off. Anything that you use for your work um, in the entertainment industry, 
um, you know, your Netflix bills, your, if you're itemizing, all of those things are fair game and a CPA and who specializes in entertainment accounting can be the one to tell you those things. So, um, yeah, make sure you're, uh, aware of those things when you're doing your taxes. Okay. So Jason, talk to us about the ins and outs of actually doing a podcast. Yeah. So, um, we record pretty much every single podcast I work on records virtually. Um, and so you have a couple different options there. Um, right now we're using zoom to record this, which has some pluses and minuses. Um, and then there's also Zencaster, which, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of other services too, but these are some of the main ones that, that we use. Um, Zencaster is an interesting one because it actually records everyone's feed locally. And then it uploads it. So you don't end up with any of those lag spikes, anything like that. You get really clean recordings that way. But that is a paid service. Well, um, and we have used that on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. The problem with Patreon and, I mean, not Patreon, Zencaster, as well as others of these, is that they're still really in development. And so there are so many glitches. And A, you have to pay for them up front. But you're also you're dealing for glitchy software. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, th there's, there's options there. There's pluses and minuses to each and every one. Um, Zencaster records live and it records, um, it can record to the cloud or it can re record to your machine. Um, and if you record to your machine, if there's a lag spike or something, it records that right in. There's probably been some in this episode um, as we're doing, it just kind of happens. Um, but the thing is that now with the pandemic and everything that's been going on for two years, everyone is pretty forgiving of those little hiccups. I don't see anyone complaining about those little things because we're all used to them because we've all experienced them and we kind of just get it. That's kind of how it is. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're striving for perfection, um, Zencaster can give you amazing results, but it can also be a major headache if things go wrong because um, it is still kind of beta. So that's that's the software side um microphones i recommend if you're just looking to get into podcasting things like that i really recommend uh the rode nt usb mini which is what i'm talking about right now christian has it i don't know if josh has it today do you have that same mic today josh he didn't bring it okay so that is a really cheap usb option that i think sounds fantastic for 100 bucks uh roughly um us um, it's really great. It just plugs straight into your computer. You don't need an XLR cable or a cloud lifter or a soundboard or anything at all. It just plugs straight in and, and it works pretty well. And you can monitor live straight out the back, which is great for being able to hear how you sound, <laughs> which is a big part of podcasting is making sure that you can actually be heard by people. Um, so those, those are the main things. And then distribution wise, my favorite tool, which is free is called anchor. Anchor.fm. It's actually owned by Spotify and it's a free way to distribute a podcast. Um, it's fantastic. You can actually do some editing right there in the window. If you're not an editor, you can go in and trip, uh, clip some stuff out. You can add music, your intro, all that sort of stuff right there on the website instead of having to download an editor or anything like that. If you do want to get more complicated and actually go into like video podcasting, um, then you need probably something a little bit more complex. Like Adobe Premiere is what I use to edit all of our podcasts because almost all of them have video components um, with them. And even like the movie, movie proposal where we don't use the video, I still edit it in Premiere because that's just where I'm the most comfortable. So yeah, um, and then you upload to Anchor and you just pretty much enter your title and things like that and your description and hit live. And if you want to put it on YouTube or Facebook or all these different places, 
you upload them there and, and you, you can find tutorials for how to do that. Um, but Anchor, I think, is is honestly the best option I've ever experienced for podcasting. It's sleek, it's easy, it's very user-friendly. Um, it doesn't have some of the advanced analytics you might get from a more complex or paid service, but if if you're just starting out, you can get, get away with Anchor for a while. Yeah. And so the way our podcast works is, you know, we have been trying out Zencaster. We've, we started with zoom. We've tried out Zencaster. We've ended up coming back to zoom simply because, um, you know, there were issues uh, all the way along. And then, um, once we record, we send the, uh, video and audio files. We download them from, uh, zoom. Uh, I send them, I uh, upload them to Trello, which is a um, virtual office software that we use and uh, send them to Jason Hoban, who then pulls them down and he works on the audio, uh, puts it back together with the video. And once, once he's done with all that, we have a video file with good sound and we have a sound file. We then send those to Jonathan Liu, who uploads them to Lisbon. And then that is our distribution um, you know, it is a paid service, but that's our distribution. Um, I don't know what you want to call that uh, platform. Yeah, distribution platform. Uh, Libsyn yeah. is L-I-B-S-Y-N. It stands for Liberated Syndication for anyone who's looking for that. It has pretty good analytics, and it's what I use for most of my podcasts, but uh, for the for the cheaper ones, I, I like Anchor. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I also subscribe to a service right now called Chartable. It's what I'm, you know, testing out. It does give you a lot of um, analytics that compares you to the other podcasts there, gives you a lot of uh, information about, um, you know, what your own podcast is doing, but also in relationship to other podcasts and things like that. So, um, and then, you know, it's goes out on all of your podcast, um, you know, um, you know, channels. And then we also upload it to YouTube. And then we um, put that on social media. We put it on our website and stuff like that. So uh, anything else, um, Jason, you want to make people aware of when they're thinking about the actual mechanics of a podcast? Um, yeah, I think uh, one thing that you have to, when we're talking about angle, we're talking about, you know, figuring out what your podcast is. You really have to figure out what sort of podcast you want it to be, whether or not you want it to be uh, really open and flowy conversation, kind of like we do here, where it's like, we don't go through and edit out every, um, we don't go through and edit out every, you know, pause, um, that it, it's more natural that way. And some people despise that. Some people hate listening to podcasts. They're like that. They want meat and potatoes. Exactly. You know, everything is cut down and perfect. And so you have to figure out which one you want to do from the get, because yeah. it, you kind of have to, you know, and, and so like the Holy Post is very open and free flowing, but if, you know, someone loses their train of thought or something like that, I go through and I trim that out. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't add to it, but I don't go through and cut out every um and ah and that sort of thing. Well, and, and it's also, a little bit more produced. It has a beginning, you know, middle and end. There are news segments that have developed over time, you know, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, it's just different. And you can also go for a scripted podcast. Now, scripted podcasts, um, some people really don't like because unless you're really good at making it seem like you're not reading a script, which takes, it's a special skill uh, to be able to read things and not sound like you're reading. Um, we actually just recently released a Holy Post podcast that was almost completely scripted. It was a special episode co-produced with Love Thy Neighborhood. And some of the criticism that we got that I saw in the comments was, you know, I, I don't like this. It sounds, you guys are reading this. And 
that's just kind of a fact, you know, people are more used to the open free flowing nature of that one. And so when we switched it up, people weren't very happy with that. <laughs> so you kind of have to be aware of that going in and what you want to do. And my, um, my recommendation to people is experiment with things first before you release it. Now, when we had the Holy Post, everything was going great. Uh, we launched the movie proposal, not straight to public. We launched on Patreon and we tested it and we played around with the format a little bit. And we, you know, we're like, okay, is this working? Can we, can we change that? How's the response to it? We actually ran polls and how people like them. Um, you know, that sort of thing. That is a big part of it. If you can do a couple test episodes and then do one big launch where you actually launch the podcast because the launch is kind of critical to to making it happen and and here's the thing too you can also do like a limited run podcast series like some of my favorite podcasts are like actually a podcast called launch which is all about writing a book and launching it for the first time from john august and it's like two three episodes and it's it's done that's it that was the whole thing but it's really really interesting to listen to his process about writing his book and launching it and that's an evergreen sort of thing you can listen to that forever it's been out for years and you can just go listen to it and it's over. So you don't have to just do one big, um, you know, bucket of podcasts, right? You can just like do a, a short lived run, but that really is only going to work if you already have a big social following who you can push to that. Or, you know, if we did a, a short run Holy Post series, we could push people to that from the Holy Post, right? You, you need to remember, how am I going to get people there? <laughs> and, um, uh, I think one last bit of advice. Do you guys have any else to say there? Um, I'm kind of dialing in on my, on my last point. No, here. keep going. If you want to grow your podcast, the best way to do it is to go be on other people's podcasts and talk about yours. Because this is what we call in, in marketing um, terms, uh, a like-to-like -like conversion, where if you go on another podcast and you talk about your podcast, people are listening to a podcast. They have their podcast app open and then go, oh, well, maybe I should go check that out. And then they go check it out. They subscribe to you. They follow you. That is the absolute best way to grow a podcast. It's not, you know, running ads. It's not pushing a bunch of stuff on Instagram and listen to this clip, you know, that sort of thing. Because people who are on Instagram probably aren't going to stop and listen to a podcast clip. And even if they do, how likely are they to actually go open their podcast app and search for you or go to your, your account and find out? They want to stay in the app they're in. And so if you're on somebody else's podcast, they're already in the right app and that's how they're going to find you. So if you want to grow the best, absolute best way to grow, grow a podcast is to go be on other people's podcasts and talk about yours. Great advice. Um, Jason, can I be on any of your podcasts? And Hey, Josh, can I come back on the movie proposal? Yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, great advice. Okay, Josh, do you have any other thoughts, um, any other advice to give about podcasting? <laughs> uh, well, the things I've learned are, you know, consistency are important, you know, not just in the format, but in release schedule. Uh, we didn't release something in all of September and our numbers dropped uh, because of that. So that, that, you know, consistency and releasing it is important. One, one other thing to, to really hammer that home, you're totally right, Josh, is um, the best, absolute best way to release a podcast is weekly and ideally even at the exact same time every, um, you know, say you release every Wednesday, 
you want to release every single time, every single time at the exact same time. So people know, oh, on my drive home, I can listen to the podcast or, oh, on my drive into work, I can listen to the podcast. If you're kind of fuzzy with that and, oh, it comes out in the afternoon sometimes and then but you, you're going to lose people because they like their routines, right? And so if you can get baked into someone's routine while they're commuting, that is the absolute best way to make sure that your podcast actually stays consistent with, with, with consistent listen, listenership and also will hopefully grow because people will be like, oh, this is my Tuesday podcast. I listen to this or oh, this is my Monday, Monday night podcast. You want to be embedded in people's lives if you can. Great advice. All right, Josh, keep going. Oh. <laughs> Consistency. Jason's the expert. He's the guest. I just asked the questions on these hey, you brought up You're on two of them. <laughs> you, you brought up something he didn't say, Josh. You are. Oh, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's honestly one of the most there. important points and I forgot it. So. Well, I would, I mean, we are out of time, but uh, another time I'd like to, uh, you know, you brought up how to grow your podcast, which is get on other people's podcasts. And, and quite frankly, I mean, we all, I mean, this podcast, movie proposal, um, there might be other things, you know, are all offset because a guy named Phil Vischer created VeggieTales and that had a huge audience. And then you hang around him and do some stuff and then people get to know you and then you go over here and then they like you. And so they follow you, but they didn't know about you. Be- and, uh, uh, until they, they knew you were connected to Phil Vischer, right? You know, and so, um, you know, yeah. there's a guy, uh, Kevin, Mc- is it Kevin McCarthy? What's his name? Kevin McCreary. McCreary. Uh, he has a podcast and he's got a, a, a big following. And, and so we had him on our podcast and we promoted his stuff. And then he had us, well, he recorded us and was supposed to put us on his podcast. <laughs> so that people can learn about us. He hasn't done it. Um, yeah, it's only been like a year and a half, so it could yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. I did follow up with him and he uh, he's like, oh my gosh, I forgot all about it. And I'm like, and I got I got the impression he was going to do something, but he hasn't yet. So don't listen to his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he releases ours, then you can go listen to that. But I mean, you get the idea that you're, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back and um, those types of things. So that's that's good. But yeah. Um, Because I do, I do, and I I read this somewhere, or I saw it on a video where, you know, promoting other people's things might not feel smart because you're thinking like, well, if I promote this guy's podcast, then that means that's time they're listening to his and not mine. And in reality, that's not true. I mean, they can do both, right? Um, By, by being generous and promoting and, but having people reciprocate. It, you're not like stealing pieces of the pie. It's not a pie. It's just, it's so big. That's just how you get your name out there. You know, well, the internet I, isn't, is not a zero sum game yeah, and right. people think it is. And it's, we're not, we're not all clamoring for resources. It's, we right. should be sharing with each other. And right. I always say rising tides float all boats. So. Right. It's true. Yep. Okay. All right. Good conversation. 
Uh, if you have any other questions, you can uh, can write in and Jason will answer all of them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, I want to let you know, I will be we will not be doing the podcast over the next two weeks. I'm going to go to France and try to have a vacation. Uh, I may uh, do a little bitty thing while I'm over there just to say hi, let you know what's going on over there. Or I may not. It just depends on how things go over there. And we may release um you know, some of our old podcasts were, we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, but I really hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, we'll be coming at you, um, you know, in, around, you know, the first, second week of January. So uh, we hope you have a great holiday season. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone, thanks for listening to Documentary First. We all know what we're doing. Trust us. <laughs> That is not the end tagline, Josh. I thought we were testing your stuff out. <laughs> All right. Can I have the old one, though, for today? Yes. It's where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. And, Josh, I don't think that needs to change. I kind of like that. Uh, it's debatable, but okay. <laughs> oh, my word. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.